1: we have a podcast
0: diving diving deep, deep diving deep into all things texas both on and off the field here's sean pendergast and pro football hall of famer the general Sean mcclain welcome welcome to utopia.
1: welcome in everybody it is the utopia football podcast mailbag edition it is the conference title weekend coming up as well in the nfl and the texans have a head coaching search going on we got a lot of good questions to get to in the mailbag i'm sean pendergast one half of pain and pendergast in the mornings on sports radio 610 alongside the general the hall of famer my good friend and our senior texans columnist at sports radio 610.com and gallery sports.com john mcclain john how you doing
0: sean, i'm doing great a little bit hoarse but i'm doing great thank well,
1: you that's all that talking that we've got to do about all these coaches if it, 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 the uh, the annual coaching search for the Texans, and I guess John, let's just level set here um, because you and I talked a couple days ago. But since then, the Texans, by the time people are listening to this, will have had two second interviews for the head coaching job: one with Mike Kafka of uh, the Giants, the OC for the Giants, and Igero Ivero. Uh, I learned today that's how he pronounces it because I watched a video where he pronounced his own name, Igero Ivero, um, the DC for the Denver Broncos. Uh, what's your sense, John, in the, in terms of where these two candidates are in the pecking order, I know where they are in the pecking order for Texan fans. They're fairly far down the list that make them bad candidates, but they're not among the favorites among Texan fans. What's your sense on where they fit into the tapestry of this job search right now?
0: I wouldn't have thought two years ago, David Cully would have gotten a job. Now mm-hmm. the search firm is the one that originally had, nomin- had nominated him as a candidate to check out as well as others. And they're not using Corn Ferry and Jed Hughes anymore, which is smart. And um, I think anybody gets a second interview is good. Kafka's only been a coordinator for one year. He's an Andy Reid protege who played quarterback for him of the Eagles and then went with him as quarterback coach with the uh uh Chiefs. And um, you know, everybody thinks he's gonna be head coach. I just think it's early and people, and he's only done it one year, and people say, well, Mike Tomlin did it one year, and how long ago was he hired? How many other guys with one year as, as Colin plays have gotten hit coaching jobs and been successful? I don't know. I feel like it's going to be one of the three that they they can get second interviews next week, D'Amico Rice, Jonathan Cannon, and uh, Shane Steichen that can't be interviewed this week. And maybe, you know, Vero, he might be – somebody special that uh, nobody knew outside Denver. He did a good job running Vic Fangio's defense, but I've never talked and never heard him talk other than pronouncing his name. That was it. And uh, the Broncos uh, tried to name him interim coach and he didn't want to do it. He wanted to focus on the defense and I don't blame him because he'd want to focus on that offense. And uh, um, maybe if they, I think if they hired him, it would be the biggest surprise to me. And it looks like, they're not saying it but they could interview Sean Payton a second time this week mm-hmm. but maybe they're maybe they're not going to.
1: Are you buying into the reports that Sean Payton is uh is headed to Denver or that Denver's ready to offer Sean Payton?
0: Um it wouldn't surprise me Russell Wilson's pushing for him really hard. Payton said early in the year uh, he on um, Fox that they weren't playing him the way that he should be played and they and he pointed out all the things that he did in Seattle that they weren't doing. And uh, so maybe he thinks that's all it takes, but it would be a natural. They got plenty of money to offer him 20 million a year. Well, all owners could offer him 20 million a year. They're worth billions, but uh, they'd be the ones I think the least reluctant to pay that kind of money, which is in the Belichick stratosphere. So uh, if he goes there, you know, good for him and good for them.
1: Um, John D'Amico Ryans is the one that every Texan, not every Texan fan, but I will say this 97.6% of Texan fans that responded to my Twitter poll would approve of. I did approval ratings for all the candidates and the top three, I guess, fortunately are the three that are still coaching and the Texans can't talk to until next Monday, which means that they're At least, the very least, they're coaching for teams that have been very, very successful this year. But they're three very well-respected coordinators. D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, and Jonathan Gannon, as you mentioned. And Monday is the first day that the Texans can talk to any of those three for a second interview. I, John, I've done this three years now. These approval rating polls on Twitter, because the Texans have done a coaching search each of the last three years. D'Amico's gotten the highest approval rating, probably the highest – percentage of vote in any Twitter poll I've ever done on any topic, 97.6%. Um what's your sense on the the progression of DeMico's candidacy for this head coaching job right now?
0: Well first as you know you cannot listen to the fans of the media. That's the dumbest thing you can do. But uh I think this about D'Amico if you watch his defense, he's done a great job. But if you watch Jonathan Gaines defense, it is outstanding. 70 sacks with rushing four guys, five more in the last victory over the Giants. That pass rush is outstanding, and their defense is outstanding. You look at Shane Steichen's offense, incredible balance, rushed for 266 yards, and and he's done a tremendous job with Jalen Hurts, and he calls plays. And then D'Amico's defense has been the best in the NFL all season. Even when they started slow, I think they were three and four, uh, the defense played well, and and I think because of his popularity here, I think if it were a tie, if they oh man we can't decide between Ryan's and Gannon or Ryan's and Steichen, and uh, it's tied, then you start thinking about the fan base and how it would fire everybody up. And uh, so uh, I know because he gets so many clicks, I've been writing columns every week about D'Amico and a coaching Mm -hmm. search, but focusing on him. And uh, so I hope they hire him. I've known him. I've stayed in touch with him a little bit. I like him. i love what people in San Francisco say about him. And uh, you know, I, I, uh, if they lose this game and they want to hire the loser, they can hire sooner than the winner. Mm -hmm. I mean, since they, since they've got guys, they like from both sides, Maybe they say, you know what, Casario's going to decide, and then he's going to recommend to Hannah and Cal and Janice McNair, who he recommends, and they'll sign off on it. Now, if the Super Bowl loser has the guy he wants, they could go ahead and bring him in. I think he would fly in Monday. Don't know if he'd interview Monday or Tuesday, but this round's when you bring him over to your house and you get to know him. And so the guy that loses is going to have an advantage. So should we pull for the Eagles to give D'Amico Ryan's that advantage?
1: Yes. Yes, I think we should. If that's who you want to be the head coach, I mean, you know, that's that's who I want, John. Is that who you want?
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I want D'Amico. Now, if he wins and say he goes on and wins the Super Bowl, that makes him even better. But the one reason that a lot of Super Bowl coaches don't get head coaching jobs is there's so many assistants are gone by that point and uh, kevin minnesota hired kevin o'connell after the super bowl last year and that worked out okay yep and uh, so they can do it both ways but uh how whatever it takes to get D'Amico Rice to be the next head coach here that's what i want
1: to have. i didn't realize john till i till you were on with us today and i, I think i heard you mention it on with john and landry um earlier this week I, I didn't realize I mean I knew obviously I covered D'Amico when he was a player here um so I was you know I knew about his history with the Texans obviously I didn't know about his wife being from Houston and the home for wayward kids that they were building here in Houston and um just their their overall ties to there. other than him being very fond of the Texans because that's a team that drafted him I'm sure I didn't realize he still had such uh tight roots here in the Houston area.
0: Yeah, they were. They started at home during the pandemic, and they um, and they um, uh, were married here while he was playing with the Eagles. Let's see. Yes, he was playing with the Eagles when they were married here. And I believe after his career ended, when he was not able to come back from that torn Achilles, he tried one more season with the Eagles. He wasn't the same. They cut him. And he came back here for a year. And he was going back and forth between his home in Bessemer, Alabama and Houston and helping out coaching high schools and uh, liked it. And then uh, Kyle Shanahan called him for something. I I think it was to pick his brain about somebody. Mm -hmm. So he asked him what he was up to. He told him he'd been coaching. Kyle said, what do you think about it? He said, I like it. So Kyle offered him a job to come over there, low level in 2017 and the rest is history. And yeah. You know, he's been a coordinator two years. They've been in the championship game two years. The defense was really good under Robert Sala. He got the head coaching job with the Jets. But, man, it's been great under D'Amico, the best in the league. And one of the things I like about his Sean is they don't miss tackles. Right. And I made a joke the other day with Landry and Lopez I said so uh, just like the Texans they didn't miss any tackles and I think Landry thought I was serious (laughs) and if you watch them they are such sound tacklers yeah one of the complaints about the defense was how many tackles they missed and a lot of it was angles and and um and so uh and I also don't have a lot of first round picks on that defense yeah
1: yeah Yeah, I mean, Nick Bosa, obviously, but other than that, it's a lot of guys that they've had to develop, which I think is really encouraging, right? When you got all these young guys on this defense that could use some developing and presumably several more coming in through the draft this year. Um, John, I guess just put a bow on kind of the coaching search talk. I mean, my feeling on this whole thing right now is that it's really breaking nicely in the Texans direction for one. There just aren't that many other openings, you know, like if you were trying to get D'Amico Ryan's and it was last year, you know, let's pretend that he's two years into, you know, let's let's pretend that it's that he's searching for a job for the second time around. Cause last year he, you know, he did an interview with Minnesota then kind of backed out this year, whether it's D'Amico or Gannon or Steichen or any of your favorites last year, you were competing with literally double the number of teams. You know, there were 10 openings last year and there's only five this year. I think the Texans have the best opening of the five, but that doesn't mean that they don't need to be selling people on this opening based on some of the things that have happened the last few years here, some of the strangeness, and obviously the two coaches fired in two years. Um, but even just the sheer scarcity of jobs, plus the fact that um, Indianapolis right now, the fa- the betting favorite is they're going to hire Jeff Saturday. The betting favorite is that Arizona is going to hire Brian Flores. The betting favorite is that Denver is going to hire Sean Payton which I don't know that the Texans are really in on Peyton anyways, and you can maybe talk to that a little bit, but if you're trying to get D'Amico Ryans or one of the top tier young coordinator type candidates, and this is the way the market is breaking for you right now, the Texans have really, you know, hopefully this is the first and what's a beginning of actually a good run of luck. The Texans have, you know, considering how things have gone the last few years.
0: I don't, I don't see. I think Philadelphia is going to win the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team overall. And I think so. They're going to have two guys that, if you hired them, I don't know how anybody could complain. Mm -hmm. You could hire Steigen or Gannon and they complain because they were not. D'Amico Ryan. Yes. They'd be, they couldn't say, well, they didn't do well or his offense or his defense. They ain't we, David
1: Cully either.
0: <laughs> they were they were both of them have done great jobs right. as assistant coaches, as has D'Amico, as did Mike Kafka. And Eero did that did well with Denver's defense he when did. he was running it. He took over when Fangio was fired. And so I like the list that they've had. Uh, overall, there's no suspects like there has been the last two years, and I think they're going to get a coach that people get behind. I was reminded this weekend about how Eagle fans went ballistic when they hired Nick Sirianni. Nobody yep. liked the hiring of Nick Sirianni coming from Indianapolis, and now everybody loves him. Yep,
1: yep, he's the, the he's the bell of the ball now. Um, all right, John, let's get to some mailbag questions. We'll get to predictions on the conference title games before we get out of here for sure, but I want to get some of these questions in. Um, so let's um, let's start here. Well, let's let's stick with the D'Amico Ryan's theme for a second. This question came in from a few people. J.R. Cortez, our friend Mike Silva of the Posse asked this question too, John. Um, simple one: If D'Amico Ryan's gets a head coaching job, who would you expect to see him bring in uh, to coach the offense and particularly quarterbacks as well? OC and quarterback coach.
0: Well, I have no idea. You know, he's been coaching with guys. He's been coaching against. A lot of guys, he's got a list that's three to five deep at every position because when you do interviews, that's what they want to know, who you're going to hire. And I would say it's somebody he's familiar with or it could have been somebody that they played several times and watching tape of that opposing offense impressed him about the way it was going. I do know this. He needs, whether it's offense, defense, or associate head coach, he needs experienced help. Like, he needs a good personnel man, and Nick Casario has 22 years. Mm -hmm. That's important to a guy that's only been a coordinator for two years and has a lot of big-time decisions to make. And then I think on his staff, he needs a former head coach, like they had with Romeo Cornell. Somebody, if you had two, I'd love to see Frank Reich on the staff as uh, associate head coach because I think Frank is a good coach and a great guy. And he did well as an assistant with the Chargers and the Eagles. And he, no telling what he would accomplish accomplished with the Colts if Luck hadn't shocked everybody by retiring. But it's true. Specific, you know, Mike LaFleur was on that staff. He leaves and goes with his good buddy, Robert Solid, who was just made to fire him. Yeah. And so he's still out there. Maybe D'Amico likes him. Mm-hmm. And I've joked, I joked around, I wrote this in columns about call Gary Kubiak and see what if Gary would do what he do did with Minnesota. He, yeah. Mike Zimmer hired him as an offensive advisor. He worked with offensive coordinator and play caller Kevin Stefanski, and he got a coaching job. Got him that. paid. Yeah. I would. I, Gary lives here. I'd say, Coach, could you work with our offensive coordinator? And maybe you catch Gary at the right time, and he's bored. You think Gary would do it? I have no idea. I'm guessing. Yeah. No, I've heard that. He's gotten used to riding his tractor around his farm and fishing and going and golf and then he's fighting He's got, you know, last weekend two of his sons competed against each other at Levi Stadium and so. Uh, but you know, it never hurts to ask. And since he's so fond of D'Amico, uh, I would certainly give him a call. And another thing, I would do. Okay, you don't want to do it. Who are some guys you'd recommend if you, if, if knowing I want to play this system or that right. system
1: ask around right um i don't know gary looked pretty relaxed john when he was tearing you a new one at the john mcclain toast a few months
0: back that's why i would want him as he's relaxed he's not he's not like he was when he retired and worried about his ronda worried about his health and everything He's has been living a good life but at art he's a coach
1: yep he is um I, the, the interesting thing you said this. So D'Amico's got a. You you think he's got a list like a, a three to five? Is, is that a normal thing? Like just oh, yeah. the guys. They've got one of the
0: things they ask you in those interviews. Okay, who's your who's your offensive line coach going to they, be?
1: They've got a depth chart, huh?
0: Yeah, and if that guy's not available, who's next? Yep. What kind of systems he want to play? Yep. It is important in these meetings that they know what you want to do with your staff, what you want to play. Like if D'Amico didn't play a four three. And he wanted to switch to a 3-4 after Casario and Mm -hmm. James Lepford and all their scouts and personnel people have spent the last two drafts in free agency getting players who fit a 4-3 instead of their old 3-4. Then they'd have to start over with that front seven.
1: Right. Um, All right, John, next one here. This is from Sam in West U. Um, Bill O'Brien, of course, just got a job as the New England offensive coordinator. So he's back in the NFL after a couple of years in Tuscaloosa um sam says if bill o'brien could have a redo on one thing from his time with the texans what would it be
0: um let's see um there's two things that jump out to me number one trading deandre hopkins Mm -hmm. for david johnson in a second round pick that turned out to be ross blacklock and uh the other one would be not to go for the fake putt in kansas city (laughs) Um, which contributed to their enormous colossal choke from leading the 24 points.
1: Do you think that uh, just to take one more, excuse
0: me, Sean is not to buy into Jack Easterby (laughs) and seeing that he was going to be more uh, wise to the fact that he was getting backstabbed.
1: Yeah, that's, (laughs) and that's kind of where I was going like, and maybe not specific to the Easterby thing there, but Like if O'Brien could do it again, do you think he'd maybe, like now with hindsight, he can see his blind spots and go, maybe I just – maybe I should have been the coach and let a good GM go do his thing and just, you know, give some respectful input as opposed to being the guy shopping for the groceries?
0: No. He wanted (laughs) control of coaching staff. He wanted (laughs) control of personnel. That He he wouldn't have partnered
1: up with old Jackie Poo, right?
0: He had – I think that – that he's learned like those guys used to be tight not anymore
1: yeah yeah, and
0: I uh, I think maybe he wishes he were a little less naive about people trying to get in good with him Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I think for sure the Hopkins trade which was a disaster
1: yeah yeah I I I think that's transactionally it's got to be the Hopkins trade speaking of which Glenn Childs asked with the rumors that the Arizona Cardinals Cardinals are looking to move on from DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. Any chance he could wind up back in Houston, John?
0: I'm not gonna say no.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't think they wanted guys thirty one. Yeah. It's funny, you know, he never had an injury here except one in two thousand seventeen. Yeah. And he set out the last game, but he said if this had meant something, I would have played, even though he couldn't have. And then he's had the the Performance-enhancing, drug suspension. He was hurt at the end of this year. He was hurt at the end of last year. Uh, Some people said New England. I'm saying, "Ah, not with Bill O'Brien there. Not anymore,
1: yeah. Well, there was that footage that surfaced during hard knocks, the in-season hard knocks, of Hopkins and Belichick chopping it up at midfield. Did you see that? uh, Yeah. It said they loved each other.
0: And they did, and if the offensive coordinator was Matt Patricia, he might do it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> not with bob though huh all I right i don't
0: see it not unless they cut him and they offered him the most money which i don't see happening because
1: yeah I that's the thing he it. wants to get paid again supposedly i like i don't know if he realizes <laughs> it's
0: like dude you're you are better old. get a bunch of bonuses
1: yeah 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 Some in- an incentive laden contract all right our friend chris in the atl sends in sort of an either or here for you john so put your mind in either or mode for a second He says, choose the option that would make you the most excited for the Texans' future. One, hire D'Amico, and then he pushes to trade for Trey Lance, and the Texans use both their first-round picks on defense to strengthen that side of the ball, or hire Shane Steichen, draft Bryce Young, and Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame in the first round. So D'Amico, Trey Lance, and beef up the defense, or Steichen, Bryce, Mayer? Did
0: you add that? part about mayor no you know, it's, it's right here
1: john i, I could show you i printed it up right there he he, he <laughs> had that in there i'll forward you the email
0: well first of all you wouldn't have two number one picks to use on uh on other players because trey lance would require one of those kyle shanahan gave up two, and trey lance will not be traded i don't know why people think he would they don't have another quarterback other than brock purdy and there's no guarantee Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback over Trey Lance going into next season because Shanahan loves Trey Lance. And people out there have told me Trey Lance has so much more natural ability than Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy is being used a certain way, telling him, don't turn it over. Be safe. He's doing a great job. But they don't see him having the long-term talent of Lance. And whether that's right or not, I don't know. So, give me Shane Steichen and Bryce Young and Michael Mayer.
1: Okay, I, that's uh, that. That one excites me too. I, it would suck to not have D'Amico, but I that would. But I like Steichen enough, and and I love Bryce Young. And uh, I think you and Nick both know how I feel about Michael Mayer. <laughs> Nick's aware. <laughs> um, hey, just stick with the draft for one more here. Um, By the is, way, Sean, this yeah. is a
0: great draft for tight ends.
1: Yeah, it is. Mayor it, is
0: by far the best, but boy, there's several going to go in the second round. And and one or two might slip in at the bottom of the first.
1: That'd be great. That'd be great. Um, because the Texans are <laughs> – Texans got picks everywhere, John. Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, Ron Klingler says, Sean, and the general, um, what if the Texans take Stroud number two and then at number 12 they take Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State? They've got chemistry – and the uh, they they could uh, get some talent. Uh, there, that talent could help a new QB adjust. What do you think, John? About I, I guess a couple things. Ron's question obviously drafting Stroud and then using the second pick on in Smith and Jigba because he played with Stroud. But I also like if they're going to take Bryce Young, I do think of, of sim- just a small added benefit is he played with John Mechie. Where are you on chemistry between players and specifically Stroud and Smith and Jigba? Uh,
0: not anywhere. Because if that was a top priority, think of where the NFL would be. They had a great, great, maybe the best ever Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Those two, their collaboration last year. And, um, uh, uh, but, and, and Najibba's not supposed to be drafted that high. Yeah. He's not the top receiver. You know, he had a hamstring injury this year. Only played like three games and, uh, um, um, I hope he was hurt all year. He was not making a big business decision. And he'll go in the first round, but Quinn Johnston, Jordan Addison, they may go before him. But I Mm -hmm. think if you take Stroud, they could take Stroud. They could have him rated ahead of Bryce Young. They could have Will Levis rated ahead of both of them. Or Anthony Richardson. We just don't know what Casario is going to do. But they do need another receiver. But if you hired a defensive coordinator like D'Amico and Jonathan Gannon, those guys have great defensive lines. You mentioned Nick Bosa. He's outstanding. Jonathan Gannon's got four starters and double figures and sacks. You know those guys with that second pick, they're going to want a defensive player. Yeah. I guess it alignment, be alignment, an end or a tackle, and there's going to be some good ones available at number 12. And, you can, and the receivers are important. <laughs> But you can get him later. And the fact that, man, coming coming. Well, they think he's coming back. But he is a – he's a slot receiver. Yeah. And so, you would have Nico Collins, but he's been hurt his first two years. You know, it worries me when a guy's been injured his first two years. Not yes. all the time, but just enough where you couldn't count on
1: him. Mel Kuyper had them taken Stroud in his first mock draft, John.
0: Did he? And yep. so, who did he, he have – did he have Levis going first?
1: Yeah, no. He he admitted he had Stroud behind Levis and Bre- and Young in his rankings, but I guess he does the mock draft by who he thinks teams are going to take, not who he would take. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they uh,
0: Le- might.
1: Yeah, and he had Levis going fifth. He had Stroud going to the Colts at, or I'm sorry, Stroud going to the Texans at two. Bryce Young going to the Colts at four, and Levis going to Seattle at five with that Denver pick.
0: I'll be at the combine, and it's going to be – there's never been a player who's going to be weighed measured that will get the attention that Bryce Young does because everybody's going to hope, you know, if he's six foot, then people are going to gasp, my God, they were telling the truth, he's six mm-hmm. foot. But if he's 5'10", then that's going to scare him. So if he's 5'11", that'll be okay. But they want to look at him physically. They want to see him in his the shorts. They don't want – they don't want him looking like Tom Brady, although Brady did a good job of transforming himself, but he's six foot four. So yeah. that measurement is going to be such a big deal. And uh, I know I uh, people over there have asked Medjie about Bryce Young. Of course, he swears by him. And I talked to Will Anderson Jr. when he won the Lombardi and the transition of the NFL, and he went into detail about why he thinks his size Is not going to be a detriment in the NFL. And I told him, I said, people think about the size. They think it means that he can't throw over people, and that's not it. It's withstanding the pounding of an 18-week, 17-game season, and you hope it was playoffs too, can a, a guy with that thin body, with a frail body. Stand Mm -hmm. up to that. You don't want him to be like Tua Tagovailoa, who's been hurt every year he's been in football. And Bryce Young was only hurt once, and that was with that shoulder or arm injury this year. And I remember when he did it, people were, oh, my goodness, he's out for the year. No way he can return from that. And he did.
1: Yep, he did. Um, All right, John, last one, and then we'll get some predictions on the uh, conference title games from you here. Um, James Campos – says i'll read the question he has but i think it's it's probably a broader place we can go with this is there a possibility nick casario is telling head coaching candidates that they should have to retain some of the assistants on the team if they accept the job offer he says for example pep hamilton i think it's safe to say that pep is going to be out of our lives but john i guess maybe there we probably do have listeners to the podcast that aren't totally up to speed on how the how the transition works i mean these the assistants are all still employed by the Houston Texans. What is the process, I guess, in terms of what say-so that Nick would have over a head coaching candidate dictating their staff? And if indeed, regardless of who's dictating anything, what's the process for the coaches that are still on board with this team right now?
0: If that question had come in Monday, I'd say, forget easy. <laughs> There's no way that's true. Because right. said that he told all the coaches, you're free look for other jobs. Yeah. New coach may want to talk to you. We hope he keeps Frank Ross. Frank Ross voted to have the best special teams in the NFL this season by Rick Goslin in Dallas, who's the best best special teams expert in the NFL. He's been doing this complicated formula for years, and NFL people, that's what they use. And he had them as being number one. I don't care what any of those other sites – because Rick's been covering the NFL for almost 50 years, mm-hmm. and that's great. So I would – first thing i do is reach out to Frank Ross, and I'm pretty sure that when the Texans did all those interviews, they asked them about coaches on the staff, and hopefully all of them said, I would love to keep Frank Ross. Yeah. But, yeah, Pep, uh, no. And, uh, <laughs>
1: Probably not.
0: It wouldn't surprise me if Pep didn't sit out, so he's watching his son play here. While well, he's getting paid, and then come back as a quarterback coach somewhere else next year.
1: There you go. What year is this son? He's in Paraland, right?
0: He's. I think he's in Paraland. I can't remember, and I can't. Rem- I'm guess I don't remember if he was a sophomore or a junior. Okay. But I know he has more eligibility. Yeah. And he is a, a a Kyler Murray type prospect.
1: All right, John. The two conference title games before we get out of here. I actually, ironically, just as you and I are talking, I got an email from Jimmy Shapiro, BetOnline.ag. I've got the lines in front of me here. Picking a game, picking either of these games against the spread, and just picking the winner is almost the same thing. These are two games that the odds makers are looking at coin flip type games. Um, the early game is the um, the oh sorry, these are look ahead lines for of uh, what the uh, spreads would be on if these uh, on teams meeting if they met in the Super Bowl. Still, the spreads on these games for this weekend are are pretty close. Um, the Eagles. In the early game, they're a two and a half point favorite over the San Francisco 49ers. What are your thoughts on the NFC title game, John?
0: The Eagles 23 to 20. I think if any defense can get after Brock Purdy and mess him up. It's going to be Philadelphia's, which is outstanding.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to watch this game, uh, to watch the, the specific units of these guys the Texans have their eyes on. You know, this will, this, I can't remember watching a conference title game. Or any playoff game through a prism like this where you've got the units. I mean, the two of the two of the top three candidates for the Texans job are going against each other, Steichen versus Ryans. And the other one, Gannon, the D.C. for the Eagles, is going against arguably the best offensive mind in football today and Kyle Shanahan. That's going to be a phenomenal watch for Texan fans, I think, that Niners and Eagles game. So you have Eagles 23-20, and Jalen Hurts takes the Eagles back to the Super Bowl. Meanwhile... The big story in the AFC title game is health, and it's the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. The spread on this one has been all over the map, John. It opened at Kansas City minus 2.5, and, and then depending on what the smoke is coming out of KC on Mahomes' ankle, this thing's been all over the place. It's gone as high as Bengals minus 2.5. You know, the, the Bengals is the favorite. Bengals are still the favorite right now, but it's settled in at Bengals minus 1. This is basically a coin flip game in the eyes. It looks like a Vegas. W- what are your thoughts on – Cincinnati at Kansas City
0: the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs and a healthy Patrick Mahomes three times in the last 13 months all by three points so I'm going to take the Bengals I thought about 27-24 but that's been the last two scores Hmm. so even with an injured Mahomes I'm going to say I said the other one 23-20 I'm going to say this one 24-21 okay
1: so a couple of couple of Couple of nail biters, uh, courtesy of uh, courtesy of John McClane, and then Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl. And if you forget if he wins the Super Bowl, just having gone to two Super Bowls in a row, John, that dude is going to get paid so hard this off by the Cincinnati Bengals. It's I don't know if it could have broken any better for Joe Burrow. Obviously, some of that is his own accomplishment, but the fact that he can point to the last few big contracts getting handed out, and they went to Russell Wilson, who stinks. Kyler Murray, who's injured and wasn't very good before he got hurt. Deshaun Watson, who has a whole lot of stuff going on and did. Uh, Even Aaron Rodgers, who wasn't great this year. They went eight and nine. John, those are the four big contracts that got handed out last year. And now here comes Joe Burrow, and he's, he's, at the very least, has made two deep, deep runs into the playoffs and might end up winning a Super Bowl for the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: First time they've been in back-to-back championship games problem is mike brown has never been big on giving out big contracts nope. now they're they they're not worth their franchise is worth billions but the brown family is not and so they're going to have to pay him obviously his agent's going to want 230 million guaranteed and yes boy i don't see the Bengals doing that with mike brown running the show still he'll get paid and it'll probably make him number two in the nfl who would you give that kind of contract to? Lamar Jackson coming off two injury-plagued seasons has one playoff victory. His MVP was four years ago. Or Joe Burrow. I think yeah. anybody in the right mind would give it to Joe Burrow. And then Justin Herbert's going to get a lot of money, too, from the Chargers. So uh, that's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch throughout the offseason.
1: Yeah, it really is. I, the, I mean, Burrow, if life is fair, he's shattering the $50 million a year mark and getting close to, if not surpassing, Deshaun Watson and guaranteed money. De- Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's a, he's a nice player. He he in what's Deshaun in now? I mean, I know he took he had to take one whole year off because of the legal problems, and he was suspended for most of this year. But just call it, it's he's he's been in the league in some shape, form, or fashion for six years now. Joe Burrow's been in the league for three years, and he's he's already accomplished more than Deshaun might end up accomplishing. Period. In terms of just overall success and postseason. The guy's unbelievable. Um, all right, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms?
0: I'm writing a column on uh, on uh, Gallerysports.com about Bruce Matthews going into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, and I'll have more about D'Amico Ryans in a coaching search on SportsRadio610.com.
1: All right, good stuff. Nobody's as plugged in as John McClain on all this stuff, so follow him on that. Follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Follow me at Sean T. Pendergast on Twitter as well. Big thanks to figgy fig for getting this podcast out to you guys. Once again, H O U mailbag at gmail.com. If you, uh, if you want to shoot us a, uh, shoot us a question, uh, for next week's mailbag episode until then I am Sean Pendergast. He is John McClain. We're out of time. We will see all of you next week. We'll know who's in the Super Bowl. We may even know who the Texans head coach, or at least have an idea as to who the next Texans head coach might be the next time we, uh, next time we sit down and record for you guys so until then we'll see you thanks for listening appreciate you tuning in have a great weekend